Well, we are in Ephesians on Sunday mornings, not meaning to go in-depth. It just sort of worked its way out that way. And uh, so in the first three chapters, it's just in Him, in the Beloved, and just understanding our position and who we are in Christ and that we have Christ. And more importantly, Christ has us and we are one with him and with the Father. He has us. He's never, ever going to let us go. And now starting in chapter four, he's saying, okay, if you're pickled in the love of God, if you're pickling in the grace of God and you're saying, Lord, how now do I grow in you? How do I become more fruitful? How do I become a greater light and salt to the earth? And it's you responding to his love, to his grace. He says, here's the way it looks. And we had a real key turn in chapter 4, verse 17, where he just says, no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. So I don't know if you noticed in that verse, but he plainly says that Christians, even though they're born again, even though God's spirit is in their life, they can still walk exactly like they did as a non-Christian. Or they can go back to living a pattern once lived as a non-Christian. It doesn't say now you're not saved or now you lost your salvation or anything of this sort. It, it is going to explain that if you give yourself unto sin, you are unto sin its slave. If you give yourself unto righteousness, then you are now going to become a slave of righteousness. You're going to serve somebody. <laughs> you're gonna, your body is going to be somebody's slave either your flesh or the spirit, either the devil and his thinking or God and his thinking. We don't do as we wish. It'll tell us in Galatians 5, we don't do as we wish. If we're strong in the spirit, we'll walk in the spirit. If we're strong in the flesh, we'll walk in the flesh. There, there's not a great mystery to that. But the, the key is, is just understanding we have a complete free choice every day. And we are equal to God in that one way. We can say yes to obedience or yes to sinfulness. We can say, God, I know you exist and you're even living in my life, but I'm not going to obey even one aspect of what you want me to obey. Or I can say, God, I'm taking up my cross I love you, I want to glorify you, and I'm denying myself, I'm crucifying my flesh with his passions and desires just because I love you. <laughs> and I, I'm going to follow you today. It's, I'll just tell you, it's wonderful. And then you have two days in a row like that, and three days in a row, and four days. And, and you continue that walk decade after decade, walking in the Spirit and being fruitful. But we are in a, a time, in a season, in these last days, where the Bible says something we are going to observe as Christians is an apostasia. What does that mean? That a lot of people who know the Lord are just going to walk away from the church. It says in Hebrews, 
Hebrews, encourage one another to, to, to love and good works. And then he says, and especially to not forsake the gathering together of the brethren, especially as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. And so there's just going to be this spirit that's going to do everything it can to connect, to stop connecting us, but separate us. And people are, are going to just say, well, I, I love God. I just don't want to read the Bible. <laughs> I, I, I'm born again. I just don't want to go to church. I, I, I believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, but I want to fly under the radar. And the fewer people that know I'm a Christian, the happier I am because I, I, I don't have to worry about being docked and woked <laughs> and whatever else for, for being a Christian. I don't want to be guilty by association. And so we looked at last week, verse 21 in particular, but verse 20 goes with that. But you have not so learned Christ. If, if or since, indeed, you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. And we had a sermon on that last week. And the key thing that we got out of that is whatever response we have to obedience or being holy as God is holy, it has to be a response out of two key elements. One is responding to God's grace, by his grace, by his power. In 1 John 1.14 says, that we beheld the glory of God. Moses didn't. He wanted to. He didn't. Isaiah got a glimpse and he was undone. But we and Jesus got the full glory of heaven, of God in the Christ. And what did we see? We saw grace first. We saw grace. And then secondly, we saw truth. It's so important. One, I think, saw the truth first and then found out God loved us and died for us and he paid for our sins after the fact, I think like Judas, we had gotten hang ourselves. But God first gives us his grace. He's like, it's through my power. It's through my goodness. It's through my faithfulness. It's out of a love for you that I'm going to tell you this. You're a sinner. <laughs> but I've already paid for your sins on the cross. You're in sinful flesh that's going to want to just take and rip you off from all good works. Your flesh is going to keep you as children of light. Your flesh is going to keep you from being fruitful. Your flesh is going to fight to keep you from storing up treasures in heaven. That's the truth. And it's like, that's a bummer. Yeah, but grace, first grace. And then after that, he goes on to say, so of Jesus' fullness, we've all received what was it? Grace upon grace. That's where we need to live, receiving of the fullness of God every day. But it's a life of grace, in grace. What does that mean? It means a favor from God that we don't deserve. It's a blessings just upon our head, drowning in blessings, and we have not earned them. It's only as a gift. So that's the way we got to live every day. 
I don't deserve anything, but yet you're giving me everything. And that I know that whether I use my free will today to obey you or whether I use my free will to disobey you, you're not letting me go because you love me. And even if my sinful, struggling, fleshly works grieve you, you're not going to get rid of me or throw me away. You're just going to hold me all the tighter, just like any parent would a child. And secondly, our response not only has to be from grace, it has to be out of love for God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. Our response must be motivated for love. It's the love of Christ that compels us, that moves us forward, that motivates us to seek God and grab a hold of God as he grabbed a hold of us. And and that's it. Just the one singular law. All the Old Testament can be wrapped up. The New Testament can be wrapped up as well into this one statement. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Notice the one singular thing isn't fear God. The one singular thing isn't be holy. The one singular thing isn't just go to church on Sunday and that's it. That's all you need to know. The one singular thing. It's not the one singular thing. Study the Bible till you know every page of it. The one singular thing that's above everything is one is God's love for us. It, it overshadows everything. And then we're to respond. And the one thing we know is to love God at whatever we do. I'm denying myself, taking up a cross because I'm tired of being fleshly. I'm going to be a holy dude. Man, I don't care if it kills me. I'm going to be a holy dude. It'll smash you. Monks in monasteries, it'll crush you. But if you can just come and say, I just want to walk in a way that pleases you because I love you. Walk like Jesus walked because I love you. I genuinely am just soaking in your grace and your love for me. And you've so blessed me and I'm drowning in all of your goodness and your kindness and your patience and your blessings in my life. And, and, and I, just, I just have to respond and, and to please you. You see, that is Christianity. Everything else turns into religion that grieves. There's so many people grieved with church, and I'm one of them. <laughs> because it's thing that you, it, it's, it's like another burden we're laying upon the people rather than somewhere we're coming and we're getting our gas tank filled, we're getting our eyes set back on Christ and his grace and his love. And, and it's, it's all about you and what you need to stop doing and what you need to start doing. And, and you should be ashamed of yourself. And, and I can't believe you. And you can't believe yourself. 
That's why you should make sure you come midweek so you can quit being such a horrible person by... And everybody's like, oh, man, you're still ready. I'm horrible. Oh, man, I am. Oh, I'll be here Wednesday night. Oh, I'm here Wednesday, Brad. I hope it helps. It's like, no. It's got to be out of love for God. If you're here today and you're doing it because you don't want to get blackballed by God, you know the angels are taking the role, then, then it's probably better not to come. I mean, it's grievous that you don't come because you're not going to get strengthened. God is given to the church pastors and teachers. If you're not hooking up with Christians, you're going to start getting weaker. And, and you're going to stop sensing how to walk with God altogether. And it's just, it's a sad thing. But yet, if it's out of this legalism to try to gain God's favor and try to get God to please you or to please him or, you know, I've sinned 10 times, so if I go to church, that makes it I only sin nine times in God's eyes because I'm doing one good work to make up for my 10 bad works. There's just, that's all religion. The Muslims think that way. The Jehovah Witnesses think that way. Every religion of the world, that's the way Satan wants to keep people in this religious, legalistic, grading yourself, grading others, grading, you know, you've got this scale in your mind of how holy or unholy you are. There's no such thing in God's mind. It doesn't exist. God's word did not teach you that mentality. Church, in many cases, did. But that's why we got to come back and we realize, number one, it's got to be motivated out of a love for God. Secondly, be motivated out of a fear of rejection or to lose your salvation or to be cast away or to be a second-class citizen. Perfect love gives us boldness thinking about the day of judgment. Man, God's going to judge us someday. Isn't that going to be great? We're going to, as Christians, going to go to the Bema seat of Christ, and he's going to give us rewards. I can't wait. It's going to be a party. Judgment has no sense of fear for us who are believers. Notice in this verse, three times it says love. But perfect love, which is what God has for us, cast out all fear. If you really understand God's love for you, you're accepted to him through eternity. He's got you in his hand. He's never going to let you go. You will never perish. Your name's in the book of life. He, he rejoices every time he thinks about you. You know, I just got to be with my kids this last week. They're all in their 30s now. I'm not looking at them going, yeah, you're 33, doing okay now, but do you remember when you were 12? Do you remember how horrible you were at 15? Do you remember when you were 18 and you lied to me? Is that, is that what happened? I don't, I don't even think about it. I'm just so enjoying being with them. Right? That's what God, that's all God thinks about. He can't wait to be with you. Perfect love should cast out all fear. Fear involves torment. 
And he who fears is not made perfect in love. First, we understand his love for us. Well, we pick up in verse 22 today. And it says there that you should put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So again, if you're responding to God out of grace, I'm not trying to earn my salvation. I'm not trying to get brownie points with God. I'm not trying to get him to like me because I know he's got to hate me because I hate me. And I'm so stinking fleshly and sinful. And, you know, I'm trying to get proved to God. You made a good choice, God. You chose me. And I'm going to show you that I've been really doing bad. But I, well, you're going to see there's a day coming. You're going to go, man, I'm so glad I chose that guy. He's so holy. No. That it's just out of love. I want to love you, God. Okay, Brian. And then here's what you need to do. Put off that old former man that's growing in corruption. He's going to tell us in a minute in verse 24 to put on the new man. Have you ever done this? If you guys are walkers or runners, where you've got an old pair of shoes and you've put way too many miles on those things, but you're cheap. And you go to the store and you're like, I did not want to spend $80 to $100 or more than that even for a new pair of shoes. These ones are working fine. And you're just like, I've got to do this. And then you go get that new pair of shoes and you put them on. And it's like, such support and it's like you're walking on air and your knees aren't hurting usually like they normally do and and you're just like kicking yourself that you didn't buy a new pair earlier what was I thinking I probably did damage to my feet my knees wouldn't have been I sure even though those shoes look like they got another hundred miles on them I'm gonna just buy a new pair and just enjoy the moment has that happened to anybody now, and the reality is, is you're in a leper colony and you got these oily, gooey, smelly leper clothes on and, and they are able to cure your leprosy and they say, man, you're, you're getting off the leper island. We're going to give you a good bath and we're going to cut your hair and and, and you're going to be traveling, and we got some brand new clothes for you, and, and you get all bathed and cleaned up, and, and then you put your leprosy clothes back on. But it just doesn't feel right. I'm so used to these clothes. Well, do, do you realize they smell really bad? No, I, I don't really notice it. And, well, don't you think others are going to notice it? Well, I don't care. That's their problem. I, I just love these clothes so much. You notice they sort of leave a goo behind you? Yeah, yeah, I, I do know that. But that's just sort of a unique thing about, you know, me. People will learn to love. I mean, can you realize how ridiculous that is? But the thing is, is we've got to come to hate our leprosy. We've got to come to hate the snit, the stench. You know, in, in Leviticus 13, it talks about leprosy. And it is an analogy of sin. <laughs> Leprosy was an exact analogy of sin or a type of sin. And to be cured from leprosy, it's a picture of the cross 
and Christ taken away our lepers. I'm just saying, it's sort of gross, isn't it? I'd like you to get grossed out about your sin. I'd like you to say, this is gooey and stinky and smelly. Why in the world am I digging around in my garage and pulling out my old leprosy clothes going, oh man, I can't believe I didn't, you know, for 10 years I took them up and I'm going to go down to meet my friends and we're all going to hang out together in our leprosy clothes. Isn't this going to be so great, man? Woo! Isn't it great being under grace? I don't have to worry about, you know, living like I did when I was a sinner. I can go live like I did as a sinner and, and still be born again. Ooh, this is wonderful. I, 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 I just would hope that there's that revelation that just says, no matter how much my flesh likes those old leprosy clothes or how comfortable they are or what a familiar smell that brings back good old days or whatever it is, that you would see them as they really are, burned in a fire and never thought of again, right? Or, or, or maybe <laughs> there shouldn't even be a round to put them on. You shouldn't be able to dig in the garage and find them. You should be able to see purity. There's peace. In purity, there's no peace. Your spirit is better than feeding my flesh. You've got to come to that point to just say, I love purity more than impurity. I love righteousness and the peace. Whether it's alcoholism or whether it's you know, marijuana now, it's, it's the new whatever. I don't know. Like chewing a piece of gum. It's, it's like, wow, you know, you want a piece of gum? Marijuana. Oh, wow, that's just like chewing. But it alters the And I can't believe that your mind would be sober enough to walk in the spirit. Maybe you're not drunk. But at the same time, you're leaning towards the flesh rather than leaning towards the spirit when your brain is being messed about by alcohol or marijuana or other drugs. Well, you sound legalistic, Brian. You know what? You're going to do whatever you want to do. That is the way our, our will works. Try to put somebody else on a diet that doesn't want to go on a diet. You're going on a diet. My wife throws away everything that I really want to eat. She buys all this stuff that I, I'm starving. Refrigerator's full, but I'm starving. And I'm just mad all the time. Sneak out. Go to 7-Eleven and get some Cupcakes. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can say whatever you want. I'm not going to stop drinking alcohol. Yeah, I know you're not. You're going to do whatever you damn well please. That is the way our will works. And it doesn't matter if it affects everybody else negatively. 
well, it's just them. That's just their opinion. It might, you know, it's really not, you know, my flesh, it doesn't really bother people. They just say that. I'm totally, no. I'm not, the church isn't here to come and stand in front of, between you and the hostess dean. You're going to do what you're going to do. I want you to know connections with your husband or with your wife that you should. When your mind's not the way it should be, you're not having that intimate fellowship with your kids. And then what happens when they get older? They're just not interested in being getting high on drugs and, and doing alcohol and, and partying and, and being, you know, teeter-tottered drunk all the time. You would have had that connection with the kids, and now they're going to want to have that connection with you. And that causes a thousand problems. And we can see 10 of them. <laughs> We can see 10 of the blessings it brings. We can see 10 of the curses it brings. The 990 of them, we don't even observe. We just say, I got anxiety. Give me the medication. Or, you know, we say, oh, I'm so lonely. And so I'm I'm just talking here in real time, in a real event. Anywhere around us, we are going to obey its lust. These are all things former, our former conduct. The, the, the former conduct conditioned us, addicted us, caused those things destructive. And first, understand if you exercise yourself towards godly life and reward and the life to come. I love what it says of ministry. The key to this process of listen to has appeared to all men. So the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now about that same grace, same grace of salvation is the same leads us from an ungodly, worldly, lustful life to one that's sober, righteous, and godly. Just by a note, it does say there in Ephesians 4.22, make a note of this, and it's going to stay right there until I die. It's just not going to happen. The flesh never plateaus. For four years, I was at Donovan Prison as a chaplain were us. And, and you realize they're just regular, normal sexual, did nothing for them. And then it became illegal. And, and, you, and you just realize it's like, there go I. Didn't understand. Nobody would farm, right? You plant tomatoes, what do you get? Tomatoes. Don't, don't a bunch of cactus, whatever they plant, that's what they reap. They're very happy. It happens. It can be predicted. Just like the law of gravity, it's predictable. Well, in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The opposite of being renewed, we saw earlier, the mind lives focused on the world. The spiritual mind is 
focused in heaven. The fleshly, worldly mind it's on and with an eternal perspective. How is this going to affect eternity? The worldly, fleshly mind, it doesn't, I, I don't know. But we believe in the word and all that he says is true. What he says about marriage is true. What he says about church is true. What he says about employment is true. What he says about says is true. We don't want to go back to living the life in the mindset of the mind. Remember that in verse 18 and 19? Back to having your brain mind ignorant of the things of God. Want to have a heart that's blind and can't hate what God hates to the degree he hates joyful mind of walking in righteousness. Just like Jesus. Did you know Isaiah 50 times? It says in Isaiah 50, Lord God saying, I'm going to be a disciple. And then the Father, as I would give myself to him, he would give me as a disciple a word. Speaking of Jesus prophetically, look at verse 6. Verse about Christ. Those who struck me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from Allowing the to speak a scripture to him. Wash in the word of God. Now just white noise. Can't even it anymore. Living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, which is your reasonable. Last, <laughs> 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 and we're all going to be raptured. So I ask her to, I ask her to make. Then the, the warm clay hardens a little bit. You take the warm and you got a perfect face of that person, right? This is what he's saying. That the world around us is warm and it's trying to put its impression on trying to warm up to us. Push that clay away. Make sure you clay and they're warming you up to try the image of the world. He's trying to slowly cool us off to be the same room temperature of the world. Look what David did. Well, in verse 24 now, Ephesians, that you should put on the new man which is created according We'll look into this more detail next week. But how do you put on the new man? To realize we are. The person who says, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Instantly, you die and rose again with Christ. And shall no longer have dominion over you. For you leave this body right now, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord, perfect in holiness. So sin has no dominion over us. It's only why we're on earth now 
It is keeping us from having rewards in heaven. That's another issue. How do we do this practically? I'm just going to give the highlights and we'll look at this next week. The word of God daily, hiding God's word in your heart. Number two, seeking God, not praying. I think we got to get away really just simply walking with Jesus. That verse, what's God required of but to do justly? We're like a football player in high school, basketball player. He's coming to his junior year of high school or coming to his junior year of college and he's a star. He could go get a scholarship to go to college or get, a, or get the ability to be go, become a pro. How can you quit? The pros are looking at you. You're going to get college scholarships. You're going to get, become a millionaire. I think when Christians are in this mind frame of trying to do what God's already done as he is holy, you are already with him perfectly. Sadducee system. System or the Sanhedrin system, the systems had just exhausted them. And the people were just burdened with religion. This is saying, this whole system hates me. This humans into crucifying me doctrine. Gotta come back. And you know what happens when we're walking with Jesus? We love seeking him. We love coming to church because we're burdened by church. We're not burdened by the Bible. We're not burdened by prayer. We're not we truly, genuinely walk in a life in the spirit and everything of the spirit, the Bible, prayer, church, witnessing, discipling, worshiping, everything. It actually brings greater joy to us and lights our load even more. So we're to church, getting here an hour early to talk about the Bible and Jesus, and we're leaving, running out of here, telling people about what comes. It comes from just the simplicity that's in Christ and knowing Him. Well, Lord, again we come and we are touching on these things, and it's. Moving forward, but slowly, Lord. God, we just ask everyone ears to hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Fired up, on fire. You to love you, you to, to receive the wonderful promises that you've given us from that our heart is lifted up to know you, our husband, who we're going to be in heaven forever and ever. To know God who loves us so much that he sent his only son and, and that life is in the son and eternal life we have if we have the son. And we know that you have a place upon and hating the flesh joy to your heart. We're doing it just to glorify you. Let your word smoke. <laughs> Any that are burdened, let the knowledge of you, let them abide in you. And as they abide, and everyone says,